0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. Pete Wright here, comedian, idiot,
1: reporting for <laughs> duty.
0: <laughs> thank goodness, thank goodness. Today we are talking about Minute 47, which begins with a compliment from Loki and ends with Thor summoning Mjolnir. Back on the show, it's Nathan Blackwell and Chrissy Lenz from the most excellent '80s movies podcast. Hello, hello. I am also an idiot. <laughs>
2: Yay!
0: Oh, it's a it's a bunch of idiots here talking Andy about this and movie. The idiots parade. Idiot <laughs> <laughs> well, we're still talking about this, and this is I wanted to get into this conversation today about this whole idea of. Uh, Thor and his position with Earth and Loki's view of it and this idea of ruling and everything, especially as, and I know, Thor Love and Thunder had yet to uh, probably be even a a thought as far as where they were going with this as far as Thor's storyline. But this idea of Thor loving Earth, it's under his protection. He's kind of this god here and everything. Uh, But now, you know, one, he can't get here because he doesn't have the Bifrost to do so. Um, but still, this idea that, you know, you're doing a great job, Loki. Everyone's slaughtering each other while you don't do anything. Um, how does this play for you as far as this position of what Thor is supposed to be doing with the Earth, his position of kind of like the Midgardians and all of that? Where where do you all stand with the way that all of this reads?
2: I think Thor sort of sees, sees his protection of Earth as being like no I protect it from aliens I don't protect it from <laughs> I protect it from big <laughs> giant monsters I don't protect it from its own uh inhabitants uh kind of a thing so it's under my protection if a giant three story tall monster comes to Which try Which doesn't and happen blow it up.
3: super often
2: not super often. Not super right. often. Yeah. My
3: area of responsibility is stuff that technically has not happened for like a year or more, but that's kind of, I feel like, my zone.
2: Yeah, yeah. next time, next time a big giant monster comes, then you holler at Thor. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So is Thor's, like, is he just basically part... I, I, I kind of know the answer to this. Is he basically just partying up in Asgard, and Heimdall is his kind of, like, his watchdog, and saying, just let me know if anything's happening, Heimdall. I know you've got a lot of other things to do, but just kind of keep an eye on it. Let me know if a monster pops up, and then, I, then I'll go down there.
1: I think that's
3: exactly it. He's a party <laughs> boy.
2: Poor Heimdall.
3: Thor has had the shift to where he now, ha- you know, from the first movie, he has shifted into l- loving earth and 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 the place but he hasn't put in the time yet you know right. <laughs> right right exactly
0: and is he really just saying jane is really that's kind of what he's saying here like you know eventually you're going to get to jane and you don't get to rule her so so, no, you don't get this job.
3: Does Thor ha- get like Heimdall to watch Jane and it's the equivalent of like watching like a baby monitor or, or it's like, <laughs> what is she doing now? Oh, my God. Heimdall what, watching what, a baby what, did, what That did, is the best image of this show. What did Jane do on the weekend? Who is this, right. like, who is this male friend of hers?
2: <laughs> uh-huh. right.
1: Dad, do you have enough dark energy yet? Come on, I really need to get down there. Dad, come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want me uh, to put you on a what now? On a plane? <laughs> yes, uh. all of that.
0: Yeah, I just the the idea of all of this. I I just I it does speak in in an interesting way about kind of the scope of these beings seeing themselves as gods, which essentially they do if he's meant to be kind of watching Earth. This is his his place that he's supposed to be taking care of. And we certainly get that sense once we get to Thor, Love, and Thunder and the whole idea of these gods who are kind of ruling these planets and then the different ways that they're ruling and hence the reason that Gore, the God Butcher decides to start killing them all. But it is interesting the fact that he actually sees himself as somebody who is ruling Earth and it, it like this is kind of, his, he's doing his job, I think is what he's saying he's doing and that Loki doesn't get to do it because he's kind of doing it already, even though. Uh, you know, well, one as I said, he can't get here because the Bifrost is down. But the whole idea of ruling, as he says, is you can't think yourself above them. I is that the lesson that he kind of learned from the first film? Well, I should hope so. Yeah, they made a whole movie about it.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right
1: if he learned
0: nothing, <laughs> so basically, he's telling Loki, you need to have your own movie so that you yeah. can yeah. you can <laughs> mm-hmm. learn this valuable lesson that I finally learned. Or maybe even a
3: TV show.
2: Maybe or even yeah. a series. He yeah. needs his own Jane Foster. And if there's no one else who's willing to do it, I volunteer as tribute. <laughs>
3: need to find, <laughs> like, a female team. version of yourself. Uh, right. <laughs> uh,
0: there it is. There it is. That's right. I, I I do like that we are getting this sense from this conversation that Thor has learned something from his time on, on Midgard through that first film and that we're kind of getting this sense that he's in a way, in some capacity, as far as Thor best knows how, trying to impart his, quote, wisdom to Loki as far as, you know, how you actually rule. Let me help you, brother. This throne would suit you ill because you haven't learned anything yet. You're still kind of the uh the trickster and you're you just want to rule people you think yourself above them. Yeah.
2: Well, he's trying to take Thor's toy. Yeah. You know. Right. Yeah. This is my toy. You can't have it. You haven't learned <laughs> your important valuable <laughs> lessons yet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we also uh, before as the conversation is going to shift into elements of the Tesseract, we do get an actual appearance of of Hugin and Munin, the two uh, ravens that uh, that Odin has as his eyes, so that he can kind of see what's going on in wherever in the universe. And uh, we get them flying by, and I I always enjoy the appearance of them. It's nice to kind of see them popping up when they do. Though I did. It is an interesting. I mean, clearly they're just CG ravens that they kind of added in after the fact. But I did wonder, wouldn't it make sense for Thorin and, and Loki to actually notice them? Like they are aware that Odin is here, or is he just is dad around all the time spying with his bird that they've kind of like written him off?
2: <laughs> it's like <laughs> a. Really it's like how you have to share your location with your mom and dad yeah. when you first start driving.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: To the point where it's just like, yeah, yeah, I know they're always watching. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. So, all right, we're getting into this conversation about the Tesseract. I want to get your sense from how you all read this, because Loki says a few things to Thor. He says, I've seen worlds you've never known about. I have grown in my ex- exile. I've seen the true power of the Tesseract and when I wield it. So he's seen all of this power. And I guess my question is, he's only had the Tesseract for a couple days, and he didn't get it until he got here. Uh, so Thanos, we had kind of this same idea brought up earlier this idea that when he was talking to the other as far as you know i've seen all of these different worlds my eyes have been opened to all of this stuff but he hasn't had the tesseract so how have they been seeing all of this i'm assuming that he's implying thanos is the one who's been showing me all of this it's a powerpoint it's not a PowerPoint. Is it just a PowerPoint? Is <laughs> yeah. Thanos, that's, that's, if we spun the camera around <laughs> from his throne on Sanctuary, we'd see there's also there's a little uh, uh, screen set up, and he's been doing a PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, It's yes. like
2: how when you want to buy into a timeshare, you get one weekend free if you watch the presentation. Yeah, they're also
3: eating a steak dinner at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I I know. I feel like this conversation is almost like the like the analogous to like two brothers and one of them has joined a gang that makes him feel powerful that I've seen real power. Now I know what it what this world really is. And you're not going to drag me down now that I've I have my own agency and I have my own power
2: yeah he's got a gang of Chitauri mm-hmm. backing him up,
3: yeah so Loki thinks that he has now found his his own route to make his own name, you know that these friends of his are are totally cool and are gonna help him with that, or maybe he'll dispose of them when he needs to. It doesn't matter, but you Thor is living in a in the lower game, and Loki is living in the upper game, yeah, yeah. And, dude, brother, you are so close-minded. I wish you would just be
1: open-minded and see that this is good for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, my friends are cool.
1: My friends are so cool. (laughs) Uh, So is this Loki telling him, I
0: am in my own movie, and I am getting the help I need, and you're dragging me down? (laughs) By the way, you haven't realized you're the antagonist in my movie. Yeah,
1: (laughs) you're the antagonist in
3: my movie. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm glad you changed your eyebrows.
1: Yes. (laughs) How's
3: mom? (laughs) mom.
0: Uh yeah, it, I don't know. I I like this I like the continuing um conversation that we have with these two, but there are there are points that I do start feeling it's very written as far as all of this, especially as we get to I have seen the true power of the tesseract and when I wield it and then Thor interrupts, who showed you this power? It, like suddenly I feel like okay, whoa whoa whoa. Now we're getting to a place where everything starts feeling very written again. Uh, do any of you run into that issue with this film where sometimes it just mm-hmm. feels so written?
3: It, it's they, they're jamming in a minute and a half of exposition before they start punching each other again. You know, I, I feel like they've got to do a lot of work of reminding us what th- happened with Thor, uh, the first movie, of l- setting the stage for Thanos. And and reminding us what the stakes are for this movie.
1: And there's a little bit of it that reminds me of of the what was it Star Trek Five: The Search for God. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> uh, Final Frontier, that that it's like you have, when you, there is something awkward about listening to cultist proselytize. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where Loki is written right here, right? Like, he is, he has seen something nobody else has seen, and you just have to believe. And once you believe and let go, you're going to understand that I'm doing the right thing for the right reasons. But you aren't going to be able to understand that until you let go and trust me, uh, and then we'll all be on the same team. And I think that is generally hard to write. And when you're doing it with these characters wearing funny costumes and, you know, bursting biceps. Like, it it just, like, you you talk about it feeling written. That, to me, is like the hat on a hat
3: on a hat yeah. with a cape. No, you don't realize how much dark energy Dad used. He used, like, twice yeah. as much as you're thinking. So oh, now we have energy. so much less of dark, It's like, some of this <laughs> stuff is so abstract and you you don't know what it really means you know yes
0: yeah does that diminish in any way kind of your sense of these characters as actual characters and especially you know this is certainly a point that uh comes up a lot in the comparisons between the dc universe and the marvel universe where the marvel universe the core foundation of the universe is human characters who are put on costumes to fight whereas the dc universe is you know superhero characters who put on costumes to pretend they're human this pair right here very much kind of fits into that dc camp does it feel right. like is that is that an element that we run into with them
2: yeah that's their everyday clothes
0: yeah yeah mm-hmm. and they never put on different costumes <laughs> nope. always, always go around like this yeah well
1: it wasn't well, i mean in the first thor movie he wore a flannel for a bit that's true he did flannel it up sure he does he does dress down in that film true. but he yeah. totally screwed up with the eyebrows so it, <laughs> you know it's a wash mm-hmm.
3: yeah it, it's like the thor movies are kind of about stripping them down to human level to the point where it's full stripping by the time we get to the fourth one
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yep.
3: right
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's i mean it's an interesting element that we have with them and i suppose that is a certain sense of this larger type of dialogue that we have. It's not quite Shakespearean, but it definitely is a bigger type of conversational language that they use when we're having these conversations with them, regardless of who's writing them. It definitely feels a little bigger. And in this particular case, uh, yeah, I mean, sure, we're talking about Thor ruling and he's acting a little more humble, but there is still this element to them where, it ends up feeling a little a little more written to me than some of the other character
3: interactions, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, it's not really until I think. <sighs> Thor, Ragnarok, and then, you know, Infinity War, that he becomes, like, so nakedly human. Like, he has so many more problems than everyone else, and he's less, that, less of a, this DC-style character of a god who kind of occasionally has human problems. It, there's almost, at some point, a shift where he becomes way more human than a lot of the other pro- people by all the things he loses in his life. Yeah. All the things he
0: loses and all the weight he gains yes
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: which is actually an interesting thing that like in order to actually become human, he really kind of lets his God appearance go and becomes sadly uh, very american looking <laughs> with the with the obese obese <laughs> right. I shall become American yeah <laughs> Now, there's an interesting uh, line that he has here because of this whole thing where Loki's talking about the Tesseract. I, I've seen the true power of the Tesseract, and, and when I wield it, and then Thor, he says, who controls the would-be king? There has been some allusions to the fact that perhaps Thanos and or the other are actually controlling Loki as he does all this. I don't know if it necessarily means in the scope of mind stone control, but there is that read. How are they? Is it, is it just their own puppeteering of, of Loki with their own tricks and deceit that they're quote controlling him to do all of this for them? Uh, How do you read that line? Do you feel that there's any sense of actual uh, mind control or is it just manipulation?
2: Ooh, that's a good question. I think I've always thought it was that he's being manipulated um but maybe there is a little bit of a mind control element uh, I mean it controls everybody else's mind, wouldn't it get into his a little bit um and you know always wanting to believe that there's the nougatty core of good to loki um I would love to entertain the idea that he's being mind controlled into being so naughty
3: mm-hmm. It's the old Harry Potter Imperio problem. Did they do evil or were they controlled? I I feel like Loki is always, he feels like he he can never be manipulated. He can, he always, if he ever for a moment appears to be manipulated, it's actually part of his manipulation. But that doesn't mean that he can't be manipulated. It's like Mm -hmm. when Thor is like telling, there's like a moment where, where, Thor is telling him how he really felt, and you get you you do get moments of reaction of of Loki. It actually kind of hitting him, you know. It, it, it they're fleeting, but you do get a sense that Loki does care, and he is not as cold as as he portrays himself to be, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, whether or not he actually is manipulated by the Mind Stone. Um, or by Thanos, it's hard to say. I go so
1: back and forth on this because there's so much of me that carries around this headcanon that Loki is, um, you know, he's a god, right? Like, he's not... Controllable by these things, and he's just using the power. But I think there, there's this other side of it, is that whether or not the Mind Stone is controlling him explicitly, he is controlled by his own desires for power, which right. might be the same thing. Like, yeah. it might lead to the same end. And uh, I I like that, you know, that uncertainty. There is an
0: element that makes me feel the sense that Thanos might think he actually does have some control over Loki, though. That might make me feel I buy into the fact that he's letting he's sending Loki to Earth to retrieve the Tesseract a little more than him letting him go without any control. Because as as we've said in the conversations, it's like, why doesn't Thanos just come himself to get the yeah. I mean he just wants the Tesseract. He doesn't want to he doesn't care what else is going on. Why doesn't he just come and get it to be get it all over with? And the fact that perhaps he thinks he has more control over the situation than he really does, that might make me buy into it a little more. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, complicated by the fact that, you know, Thanos is demonstrably more powerful than Loki. Sure. Of course. Right. We we learned that, you know, again, explicitly later, uh, even if right now there's, there's a little bit of, of wiggle room. hmm yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Last but not least, at the end of this minute, we do get our answer to that question that we've been uh, talking about. The idea that the reason Thor wants the Tesseract is because right here, Loki says, you need the cube to bring me home. And so that's exactly what, yep. the, what Thor's plan is. I'm going to get the Tesseract and we're going to use it to get all the way back. I guess dad can't use dark energy to bring them back only to send them again. Right. I,
3: not with that resubscribing.
0: You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. right. It was just that trial trial run. One way only. Um, I I don't know if I have anything else for this minute. Um, Again, it's just a lot of conversation between the two of them. Any other thoughts from either of you about kind of the way that this conversation is shifting?
2: I think the acting is really nice. I I really enjoy Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston in this scene together, uh, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to pick this uh, as one of our minutes, because... (laughs) I like the two of them together. I just I can't get enough of the two of them together uh having their little squabble squabbles um and doing their overly flowery dialogue together it's it, for as much as an info dump that it is these minutes of like the dark matter and the and the the way home and the recompense and all of that it's It's fun to watch and it's fun to see the two of them together
1: it's so funny it's like a pretender moment right it's like yeah. Tignataro is like oh right i saw that thor movie i'll bet i could write kind of like it right even though yes. i don't know as much about it as its <laughs> creator <laughs>
2: uh-huh. right i agree. right.
0: right to the point where eventually he'll say you know what I, I think i've got this nailed i'm gonna make my own shakespeare movie yeah
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> right
0: exactly <laughs> and it'll be black and white so it'll really It'll really all Shakespeare be was in black
1: and white, wasn't it? I'm sure it was <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in the original. <laughs> I, I make fun. I actually never saw that adaptation, but <laughs> it was it wasn't it bad. Was, it was fun. Yeah. It was yeah. actually a lot of fun. I mostly because I enjoy all of those uh, actors parading around in black and white, you know, yeah. period clothing. It was fun. Yeah. But again, something else Kenneth Branagh had done first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway all right well let's uh oh actually i'm curious uh now that you've said that chrissy do you have a favorite like thor loki interaction uh across the the franchise like where would you say or some of your favorite interactions between the two of them
2: Ooh, between the two of them together, I, I don't know. My favorite Thor's, uh, like I, I really wasn't too overly fond of Thor, as Loki would say, uh, until we get to Ragnarok and then, uh, all of his later instances when he becomes more Hemsworthy human. When he becomes more Hemsworthy, yes, exactly. Uh, but I, I've always loved Loki, uh, as, uh, you know his his little winking self, and I love Loki so much in his in his show um, that it it feels like a reward for having been uh, on his side this whole time. <laughs> that I got a payoff of a whole show of him. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that I have too many uh uh moments of them together that I love, but I I just love uh when they when they start to have a sense of humor. That's when I really get on board, and I feel like Loki always had a sense of humor. He's he's like supplying a lot of the jokes uh, in this in, in in the next minute. In fact, so I, I'm always looking for the funny bits.
3: I like like Thor and Loki in the elevator in Ragnarok. I feel like they're yeah. finally like on an even level. It always seems like Thor is either trying to push him down or to try to catch up. At this point, like Thor is on the program he knows what loki's gonna do and we're just gonna have fun with it you know
2: yeah that's what it is nathan thank you i couldn't think of that the get help scene
3: (laughs) yeah
0: right that was that was where my head went too, as far as the two of them it's just that was one of the funniest bits and also when the the betrayal like that that final betrayal where he's like i knew you were gonna betray me and you're like that whole thing how he had played loki right into it i thought that was pretty great so They've, they've got some great banter by the time we get to that point in their relationship. Mm-hmm.
1: But and they're only getting more interesting. It's actually really fun to go back to these moments and realize sort of where they came from. Because you can see seeds of it. But these characters in this relationship, it's certainly more fun than the the Cap-Iron Man relationship, right? The, the oh, well, Steve yes. and Tony. And so I, just, I am finding, going back through these minute by minute, just so much more compelling stuff watching the way... Uh, Hemsworth and Hiddleston play these characters over time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did not expect that. Yeah,
0: It'll be fun to see how they kind of continue evolving this over the course of the film. So we'll continue those conversations and we'll be back with you two tomorrow to talk about Minute 48. So let's wrap up for today. Uh, Nathan and Chrissy, tell everybody again about uh, your podcast and what else you're up to out there.
2: We host the most excellent 80s movies podcast. It's a a look at the movies of the eighties, the ones that we love, or at least that we think we love, uh, as we look back at them with our grown-up eyes to see, do they hold up? Are they still something special? Are they something you would want to show? Uh, uh, my, you know, is there something I would want to show my kids now, who are at the age that I would have been watching them for the first time? Um, or are they something that we can just leave in the past? Uh, And we try to take a very humorous look at that. We give them ratings and reviews. Uh, We offer our deep-cut recommendations and uh, mostly just try to have a good time talking about our favorite 80s movies.
0: Super, super fun. It's a great show. Everybody check it out. Uh, We'll have the link in the show notes, uh, along with everything else, to track these two down out there on the interwebs. Uh, Thank you both so much for joining us today. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you. And we'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 48. So, Pete, thanks as always.
1: Oh, Andy, tomorrow, a classic Tignataro visual gag. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Until next time, true believers.